Welcome to another episode of Harvest Series, a podcast following a four-day experience in Kaplankaya on the southwestern Asian coast of Turkey, filled with fascinating talks and workshops to harvest knowledge and nurture the planet, an event produced by Athena Advisors and Capital Partners. I think the important thing is, like, don't be afraid to disappoint people, you know, and especially your parents, because that's a heavy burden, you know, yeah. and it's like, oh, man, yeah, I'm never going to go to heaven <laughs> if I disappoint <laughs> my parents. Um, but you just you have to go for it. You have to do what you want in life because it's your life. and You only got one life. I am Rose, a French journalist based in Barcelona. And this episode is an interview made during the London edition of Harvest with a Senegalese-American singer, Mariemi. Her music is a powerful blend of self-love, revolution and empowerment. Having relocated from Senegal to the US at the age of seven, she faced discouragement from listening to music at home. But she disobeyed, a choice she doesn't regret and forged her own path. Now, with consciousness is a new rock and roll as a slogan, Mariemi's music has been featured on Michelle Obama and Oprah's Netflix show, as well as appearing on Grey's Anatomy and more. Join me as we embark on a fascinating journey to uncover the depth and inspiration behind a remarkable story. Welcome to this special episode of our Harvest series. Hello, Mayem. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. You traveled all the way from uh, Vegas to be in London. Yeah, no, um, I actually just came back from Thailand. And before that, I was in Singapore for the F1 race because I had a show there. Okay. So I was in Thailand for a little vacation and I came like two days ago. Okay, yeah, so, so you, you travel all the yeah, time? Yeah, I travel a lot, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you manage to stay a bit uh, in places sometimes? or? Uh, yeah, this was uh, the first time I had like a little vacation because I'm like... I've been dying to go to Asia and I went there for a gig in Singapore. And so I was like, let me take some time to travel a little bit and not do work. Because every time I go somewhere nice, I have to work. And so it doesn't like really feel free, even though I love what I do. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, it was nice. So, Mariam, you kicked off Harvest in London. Mm -hmm. How did you feel? How was, uh, I saw you beautiful, uh, you were beautiful on stage. You have like this beautiful outfit. And <laughs> so what was your intention and uh, what did you feel this morning? I, I didn't know that I was performing sometime early in the morning, but this is the earliest I've ever performed. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> well, quite the unusual. Second time, yeah, <laughs> usually I perform later at night or during the evenings or it was early. So I had to like, uh, I, I'm a procrastinator. So <laughs> I got things like very last minute, like I wake up very last minute and I'm like rushing to get stuff done. But uh, I don't know. I like procrastinating for some reason. I like the pressure. It's weird. It's weird. So it went well. <laughs> yeah, it went well. Harvest is an event related to consciousness and mindfulness. What's a message you want to deliver on stage? Um, I just want people to have a dose of love. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I went to the jungle in Peru to do ayahuasca and like I've been on that routes and what I felt when I did that was just love like pure love so when I sing and stuff and like um when I have performances I want people to leave feeling the love you know because uh, you can't explain love to people like you just they just have to experience it so that's what I hope to do like with my music 
you arrive in the United States as a young girl. Mm. Your family uh, had to escape the war. Mm. Uh, can you share more about your experience, about this family experience mm. and your arrival in the U.S.? I moved to the U.S. when I was seven years old. My parents were there before, so I didn't see them for like five years because my, my dad was like in Georgetown um, doing his master's. And so he had to like leave us behind, but took my younger sister. So I, my older sister and I were raised by our aunt in Senegal. And um, it was a real nice community. It was religious, but it was it didn't feel like religion. Like it was very peaceful because I was deep in it. And so um, when I came to America, it was um, very difficult because I had like a lot of opposing ideas in my mind and in, in my life. And so I guess suffering cognitive dissonance was like one of the craziest parts of my life, like being in a home life where one thing was one way and the culture was one way and like going out into the world and learning about different ways of living. And um, Can just you be more um, <clears throat> specific about the yeah. differences, like what, how you were living at home yeah, and yeah. what was the difference in the, with the U.S.? Like, like in Senegal, you know, I never met other people of other races and stuff. So it was a, a culture shock when I first came to America. And then like also to deal with um, just being a dark skinned woman, you know, like in the place that I was like, I wasn't really considered beautiful or something. And so like I had to go through all of that, like the race issues of America. Uh, I had to deal with race issues from the top down, like, you know, colorism internal division between black and stuff and like just I, I didn't love myself when I came to America which was very different from when I was in Senegal because I felt love and like it was community and like I didn't feel like I didn't belong but in America I did felt like I didn't belong and so the, the process of learning to love myself again was one of the major things that I had to go through. How did you learn to love yourself? I decided that I mean like I was in my 20s Also, like my parents didn't want me to be a singer. So that was like another thing I had to face. So I was just like, just troubled internally. And like, I was just really, really sad. And I knew that wasn't sustainable. So I went out into, like, like I said, I went to Peru and like did ayahuasca meditations and stuff. And I learned um, the secrets of the universe and like, what is the truth of the universe? And like, not just my experience in the Bronx and the ecosystem of the Bronx, like um, just everything is its own dimension, you know what I mean? And it's just a flow of energy and like the cause and effect. So I started to learn about the history of America and started to learn about the history of the world and stuff and history of humans. And it brought me peace. Like I, I I'm going to be okay. Like this is the world's problem and not mine. So yeah, it just wasn't sustainable being sad and just, I had to deal with my traumas and I had to just, and the only way you do that is through understanding. So You have to learn why things are the way they are and don't take it personal. How did music help you uh, in this process also? How did you mm. discover uh, music? So when you were a child in, uh, in Africa, what mm. was your relationship with music, African music? And then yeah. how did it change in the U.S.? 
Yeah, so um, in, in Senegal, because I, I grew up in a very religious household, we weren't, we weren't really listening to music, but within the community, like, there was music. Like, we have Yusundur, he's a big artist there. Yeah. The, me and my cousins in Senegal, we listened to music, like, outside of the house, um, the religiousness of the house. Uh, I never had a dream of being a singer when I was in Senegal. I was, like, seven years old, so I never, it wasn't really a thing uh, for me. But then when I came to America, I just heard all these different sounds and, like, um, for me, when I was being teased in about my skin color and just being African in in school, I music was my escape. You know, like it helped heal me, and it was just something I can go to to like put me at ease. So that was kind of the relationship with with music for me. Wow. Like, yeah, the healing power of it. Yeah. Yeah, and true as a teenager, also you're super receptive to uh, yeah. to music. How did you discover the American music through which singers? Yeah, who were the one talking to you to your soul at that time? Like. <laughs> Britney Spears and Christina Aguilar were like the popular ones, but also yeah. like Lauren Hill. I used to listen to a lot of hip hop music. I love like the rhythms and stuff. Lauren Hill, I would say, was like my my biggest influence at that time. Okay, were yeah. you identifying with her with her message? Yeah, I, I didn't really speak English when I first, so okay. I, I didn't understand any English. So I learned English through music, which was really cool. I I, I loved just the sound of her voice and like Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey. You know, I just used to put on my headphones and just get in, lost in that world. And it was just very beautiful. Yeah, I think music is uh, powerful and it can heal many things, you know. Yeah. yeah. And your parents, you said you were not allowed to listen to music at home? Um, It was discouraged. No, I wasn't really allowed to. Like, they wanted us to uh, learn the Quran and, like, you know, be immersed deep in the religion. I always loved music. Me and my sisters, we love music. So we just listen to it. We <laughs> snuck and joined the choir. So not at home. You were doing outside, yeah, outside. at home. Yeah. Okay. And your sister yeah. also loved music. Yeah, yeah. How many were you in the children in the family? Uh, there's uh, five of us all together. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when did you know that music had to be part of your life forever? Well, I would try to sing for people at like 11 years old and stuff, even though I wasn't allowed to. It's just something that I, I just loved so much. And it was just... I don't know. I couldn't escape it. And I didn't even realize that I had a voice until like later. And me, when me and my sisters would pretend to be in girl groups and I would be a diva. Just <laughs> when they asked me to sing at night and I'm like, no, I'm not singing. They're like, oh, you're just being selfish. You know, it's okay, so you were entertaining. Uh, the family. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So at that time, that's when I realized like, oh, OK, like I have a good voice. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and then when did you think, like, I'm going to be a singer? I, I didn't think it was a possibility. It's something that I wanted to do, and, like, I would sneak and do it. I, like, I, I, I snuck and joined the choir at a young age, too, in, in our school. Um, and I would uh, lie to my parents and say, I'm going to do something else, but I would be in music. It, it, it was, like, like I said, it was a world that I created. Music was part of the world that I created to escape all the, the sadness I was going through. Yeah. And it was just, it became my world. And I didn't think it was, I really did not think it was a possibility. So I did college and stuff. And um, people in co even college didn't even know that I sang and okay. stuff. I would say it. I, I, I would sit in class and I would be like, I'm going to be a singer one day. But I don't know if it came true because I said it or it was destined to happen. Yeah. And then I moved to Italy um, and uh, after college. And then I we used to do open mics there and people would be like, You should be a singer. I'm like, oh, I want to be a singer. And I'll be crying. I'm like, but my parents won't let me. And then I just had to find the courage to just do it. And I knew they were going to be disappointed. And they were very disappointed at first. 
Uh, they're like, we put you through school and stuff. Because with African parents, if you're not a lawyer, a doctor, or an engineer, you're just not doing anything with your life. So <laughs> it was like, I had to get over so that disappointment. Guilt. Yeah, I had guilt. a lot of guilt. And so I was just like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I have to do it. And so. And you had to so. take this decision when you were far away geographically from yeah, yeah, yeah. It, when you I were in to, Italy. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise it would have been like too difficult. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so how did it happen? What was the process? Uh, because... So many girls want to be a singer later. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> But yeah. how did you make it? I, I followed my heart and um, I moved out to L.A. in 2017. And within weeks, I mean, by that time, I learned how to like the whole thing about manifestation, you know, like how powerful it is and like how I'm in control of my destiny. And so I went out to L.A. and like within a week of getting there, I wrote a very powerful song. It was the first time, like first songs I ever wrote. And I got a massive publishing deal with Universal like a week after. So was it I was like, okay. Yeah, leave. Yeah, leave. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I ended up getting a publishing deal from Universal, which was pretty crazy because I had no following and no records or anything. And the, the stuff that just doesn't, does not happen. So I was like, okay, I'm onto something. And so. And how do you explain that? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I think. <laughs> you just take it. Yeah, yeah. I just take it. it. Yeah, yeah, I just take it. And at that time, I was, I, I was a very free person because I did the whole ayahuasca ceremonies. And went into myself to learn about myself. I stopped perming my hair. There was no more self-hate, you know? Um, there was more self-love. And, like, I knew that I had control over how I treat other people, how I feel about myself. And so I think it was just attracting what you want, really. Yeah, okay. Attraction. That's interesting. So yeah. when you start to love yourself, yeah, you get the job you dream. Yeah, yeah. I think about. so. Yeah. Okay. Because how you treat... Because you, you, normally we think... We're just being treated a certain way. But confidence goes a long way. Like when you're confident in yourself, you allow others to be confident in you too and to be confident in themselves also. And so you, you when you realize like the flow of energy and you actually see it in real life, like that is very powerful. And so I was tapping into that more than anything. And uh, so after leave, uh, mm. you say like, oh, I need to do an album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's a lot of uh, yeah. excitement, a yeah. lot of pressure also. Yeah, a lot of I pressure, yeah. a lot of pressure because yeah. the music industry is very one way. And it's like, what I understand now is that if you want to do anything powerful, you have to be true and aligned with the truths of the universe. You know what I mean? And so I know now that like truth is the only thing that will last in art. If I live within that, then I'm going to be okay. And so, like, I, I try to do things my way, like, even with the Harvest series and stuff, you know, I'm, like, building my own path. And, and the uncertainty of that is uh, because, like, uh, it's not a path that is clear because what I'm trying to do, I feel like, is different than a lot of people have done. So there's no correct way to do it, but I just have to, like, follow my heart. And um, I, like, try to move outside the music industry because it can be a lot of pressure. Yeah. And they tell you, oh, you think about this, do this, do this, do this, do that. But you can do anything you want, actually, and create your own lane. And I learned from, you know, watching Prince, you know, he's, he started, like, the whole marketing bu bundle. And you just got to, when you, when you think about something, you just got to execute it and bring it to life. I think that's the key to success for anybody. You mentioned Prince. Like, mm -hmm. if you have, like, um one or two singers like your mm. which career you admire mm. and you that are touching you who would they be definitely prince and um aretha franklin i would say yeah why um they were just powerhouses and they lived in their truth and you know they were very human i think 
especially Aretha, you know, everything that she went through in, in life and the things she's saying about. The important thing is uh, we tend to look at people at the height of their careers and think like we don't know how they got there or we, we think because um, because you see people at the top and like it's hard to fathom that they had like a normal life before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But beginnings also matter very much. You know, I went to um, when I was studying abroad in London in my last semester of college, I went to go see the houses of the Beatles. And it was very interesting for me because the tour in the tour of the houses, they were talking about how they wrote the songs there. And it's like, it's okay to have humble beginnings. Like it starts small mm-hmm. and then goes big. So it's all about the journey more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. What do, do your parents actually think about uh, your career Yes, now? they're happy now. Really? <laughs> yeah. ah, well done. So yeah. you made it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they wish I was doing something else just because, <laughs> you know, it's like, It's like reputation wise, like, oh, my daughter's a singer, we're Muslims and this and this and that. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> but they're, they're happy because I actually sing about important things. And yeah. my dad is like, oh, you're going to bring the world together one day. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. That's and cool. he said he's proud of me and it's really nice. And and that's the thing, that's like, you know, achievement. Yeah. Like, even if your dress are short and yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. okay oh, yeah, with they, that. They definitely call me about that. They're like, please wear some clothes. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> I think the important thing is, like, don't be afraid to disappoint people, you know, and especially your parents, because that's a heavy burden, you know, yeah. and it's like, oh, man, yeah, I'm never going to go to heaven <laughs> if I disappoint <laughs> my parents. Um, but you just you have to go for it. You have to do what you want in life because it's your life and you only got one life. Wow. To do. That's an advice you would give to people to follow yeah. their passion. And you to, do. Yeah. Yeah. Even, Even if, if the parents don't. Yeah. 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 They'll come around, hopefully. And if they don't, I mean, it's unfortunate, but... You took the risk. Yeah, yeah I did. I did. It was very risky. And you're happy. Yep. You did it. Yeah. I am. I would have been sad if I wasn't doing this. I would have been... Yeah, I would have been really sad. And that's not... Sadness is not sustainable in a life where love is the law of the universe, you know? It's just not cute. Every day you say I will make a better world. Mariame is a successful Afro-American woman. She shared earlier that her arrival in the United States had not been easy, torn between the American songs she could not resist listening to and her father's wishes for her to study the Koran. One question I couldn't help but ask her. Do you see yourself as a political singer in a way? No, I feel like people make human issues political, but I'm not a political person at all. I think it's about humanity and it's like, you know, humans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not political. No. Healthcare is not political. None of this stuff is political. Like we should have the basic needs to live as as one, you know? Like I don't know that why there's so much greed I mean, I do know why, because humans being humans, you know, but at the end of the day, I think um, no issue is political. Uh, politics don't really exist. It's a made up thing for control. Okay. But you must resist a lot because people 
I think want you to be political in a yeah, way yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, um, I get questions all the time sometimes. Like I used to post about civil rights issues. I used to post about women's issues and all these things. But what I realized at the end of the day is that humans are the issue and we're the ones who need to change. Like if you change humans, then every issue will fall into place. And so I don't have time to be talking about every small thing or big yeah. thing, you know, like it's humans. I'm focusing on humans. And I think that's the key. Where do you see yourself if you think about it, like in 10 years? Where can you say, when will you say like, oh, I really, man, I did it. Like I killed it. Yeah. Um, when uh, I feel like we're <laughs> shifted our conscious collective, you know, like just more, more people doing the work to heal themselves. So I think that's that's like that's the major thing. So when I talk about in all my music, I think the key is self-love. Like I don't talk about like the outside world. I think I talk about like going inside, you know, because it's very important for us to heal ourselves, to change the perimeters of, you know, humanity in general. Okay. It's going to take individual work and not from the top down. It's going to be like from That's inside. That's funny because you're not talking about yourself and your career. You're talking about yeah. the impact on, the, on yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. That's the only way to measure anything, ah. <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> How do you cultivate your uh, inspiration and creativity? What do you mean? What's like, your routine like to stay inspired and uh, creative? Yeah, um, I think I, I'm surrounded by so many amazing people who do what they love. I, I try to engage in conversation where I'm elevated, uh, you know, or they're elevated too. Like I'll be on the dance floor and just talking about quantum physics or like just things that are you, you, conversations that would be deemed heavy. Like I like to have that on the dance floor while dancing. <laughs> so I, I don't think any conversation that involves humans learning about themselves and really understanding what life is about. I don't, I don't think it's heavy at all. So I like to have those conversations with people. My process is, I think the most important thing for me is to be able to create at all times. When I'm creating, that's when I'm at my happiest, you know, because it's basically creation is like the output of your processing, you know, processing yeah. of the world. And it doesn't matter how you do it through art, through um, just anyway, just just create the world you want to live in. And I think that's when I'm, I'm the happiest. So just creating. You create your uh, own clothes? What do you create? Yeah. Uh, not, not this, though. This is my friend. This um, Puglielli um, from Brazil is an amazing artist. And um, the skirt is a Senegalese designer, my friend, Sir Babajan. He's amazing. Um, yeah, so actually, yeah, I, I, everything that I wear is either my clothes that I made or my friends. <laughs> that they okay, made, yeah. let's talk about your hairstyle. For people who cannot see you, you have um, an impressive bun on top of your head, crafted with uh, meticulously twisted black and blue braids that uh, spiral to the front of your head. We cannot miss you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it came out of uh, me loving myself enough to ex want to express myself how the highest form of expression, you know. And for me, this is like how I see myself, really. Like what what would my outer shell look like if I was at the purest form of love, you know. So for me, this is a form of expression, even though and even like the blue Like, I used to get teased for my skin color all the time, but now it's something that I love about myself the most. And to have the blue is to accentuate my skin color, too, you know? So it tells my story in a lot of ways, too. And, like, having to wear, um, or was being forced to wear a hijab when I was younger, 
Like this is not oh, <laughs> this job is your rebellion. Not, no, it's not rebellion at all. It's, it's actually uh, the opposite of, of really? re- rebellion. Is like is uh, ultimate self expression. Not is, fighting against anything. Talking about um, revolution, what's a revolution you you would love? I mean, when we get self love revolution, that's yeah. basically yeah, that's the revolution that's needed. You know, because how we treat others is how we treat ourselves, and people don't realize this. And it's like. Are you good to yourself? If you and that's the core of everything. Like how I, if I'm happy, I treat others well, and vice versa. And so it's just the exchange of energy and stuff. So I think that's the biggest revolution I would like to see. What's your next project? How do you see your next music uh, inspiration? I started doing my live vocal DJ sets. I've always loved dance music. I was trying to stay away from it just because <laughs> I, I don't know why. I don't know why I was trying to stay away from it, but. Um, <laughs> They've actually been going really well, and like, I I like to be inspired on the dance floor, like like I said. So I I, I think it's very important um, when I, when I sing live about love while people are dancing, like it activates something more in them. Yeah. I just came from Burning Man, and I did like the Robot Heart Bus, which is like one of the biggest um, stages there, and it was a sunrise and it was beautiful. Everyone was crying when we were like wow. just singing about love, and just people felt the intention. What what I did also there was I bought my shadow with me, so I made like a a clone version of myself, all in black, which represents the shadow. Because the first thing you encounter when you go inside yourself is your shadow and your trauma, and so I call them the interdimensional clones. They're gonna be more clones <laughs> to represent, you know, the healing process. And so I'm really excited about that. And then I'm also working on my first album, which is more of a traditional album, just piano, vocals, and you know, little instruments and stuff. Is it going to uh, be intimate or uh, what? Um, you qualify it? Yeah, it's like it's going to come out next year, but it's like just pure vocals performance about heartbreak, which is a very um, uh, important part in the healing process too. Like how we deal with grief and heartbreak, and yeah, so it's a continuation and a revolution songs for revolution stuff. Uh, I've got a last question yeah. before to leave you. It's uh, the question I'm asking to all the guests of our vest. Yeah. Uh, if you had to choose your favorite tool to um, actively transform our society, mm. our planet, or ourselves, what would it tool. be? Tool. Uh, I would say, uh, as a singer, um, I love breath work because I get to um, open up my lungs a lot too and stuff. So I, I would say. Doing breath work is very important because not only does it bring you to the present moment, which is what all we have, I have so much inner peace now. Like I'm so much at peace that when I close my eyes, like I feel like I'm in a, I'm in like cave and it's just so silent and within, and it's like it's like um you know like I, the, the, so breath work is just very very important and that's like the thing that connects us all. Wow, you do breath work before going on stage. All yeah, the yeah, time? yeah, for sure. Yeah, like during my vocal warm ups, I take at least like 30 minutes to get my life together <laughs> <laughs> that's great and every morning or so yeah yeah. To do? yeah yeah i think breath work is very important i mean it's, a, it's meditation and just connecting you know with yourself and just taking away all the noise from the outside world yeah i think that's very that's a very useful tool thank you so much mariam for being here <laughs> and uh, for uh, giving a beautiful uh, songs to harvest london thank you Thank you for tuning in to this episode, exploring the fascinating journey behind Mariemi's songs. One of the highlights for me 
was when she shared that despite her dad's initial reservations and his preference for longer skirts, he eventually found happiness in her chosen path. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love to hear your thoughts. So please leave us a positive review and connect with us on Instagram at Harvest Series. Don't forget, you can catch all our episodes on youtube.com slash Harvest Series. In our next episode, we'll be joined by the explorer Wade Davis, where we'll dive into the contemporary applications of anthropology. Stay tuned for more intriguing discussions. Until next time. <laughs>